playoff hockey is back as the Dallas Stars continue their quest for the cup. Level up the intensity, boost the excitement, and power up the passion. There's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets to reserve your seat. 9.2 to play, third period, game seven. Stars unable to win the draw, shot from the point, saved by Udger. Ben's gonna get to the loose puck, he will clear it. And this terrific star season still has more to come. For the second time in the last four years, the Stars are going to the Western Conference Final. They beat the Kraken 2-1 in game seven, and they win the best of seven series, four games to three. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Halfway, baby. Halfway home, baby. Yes. Eight of 16. Two of four. We do all the math here. This is what I'm referring to as the cup half full. Podman Rush. Brought to you by Truly. I'm Daryl Ray from the Stars Radio Games on the ticket during the postseason. And... The man who is the epitome of human high performance, Mike Heike. I've witnessed it on our flights, just how he <laughs> crushes it. Uh, Mike, here yeah. we go. We're back. Oh, you know so what that fun. means. We were going to be back no matter what right. after last night to either mop things up or celebrate. And I believe in the series against the Kraken, hard work can't beat talent when talent works hard. And Kraken had to be met with team effort, not individual. And their relentlessness had to be met with a response. And these Dallas Stars pick each other up. The decor had to be massaged a little bit throughout the series. But in the end, look at us. All those long hours flights back and forth. <laughs> Paid off. Paid off, Mike. We are warriors. What a what a vibe at American Airlines Center last night. Everybody was all goo-goo over what went on in game six at Climate Pledge Arena for good reason. It, it's a terrific rink, and, and the fans were into it, and Seafoam looks really good on television as a color. Uh, but so does Victory Green, baby. And last night, man, they were. What'd you think of, of the, the crowd from from start to middle to finish? Uh, I was re- I was really impressed because of the um, nervousness. I yes, mean, I think there there was a, a real feel when they you know they got whatever nine shot attempts on a power play and none got to the net. The, I think there were fans going like, "Hmm, this doesn't feel oh, too I good." Know. I know but, that felt like a harbinger. I know. And then they just stuck with it. And I think the fans, you know, they talk, the players talk about it. Pete talks about it, that the fans pick you up at home. And I, and I definitely think they helped push them over the finish line there. Yeah. I, same thing. I, what were they? 36 minutes in, it was zero, zero. Yeah. 35. And I, I, I could feel things shift a little bit to way more nail biting 
after that power play went flat. Not not for lack of effort. I, I can't remember a time when a Stars power play, regular season or playoffs, re-racked as many times as they did. Like the yeah, Kraken. I think I, they spent all two minutes in, in the zone. Well, yeah. And and the Kraken were showing their their warrior side, just laying their lips in front of any puck, <laughs> blocking it all the place. But then they they couldn't clear the puck. They just kept gifting it back to the stars. And and then they would re-rack and they'd go at them again. They couldn't get another puck through. Couldn't get another puck through. I've, I've mentioned it many times, Mike. What are you supposed to do? You plow around the stump. Oh. And they continue to try to drive their plow right into the stump. Hmm. You, need a, you need a stump grinder if you're going to do that. You need to grind that thing into sawdust. And maybe they did that. Maybe that's how Hans got free eventually. That was it. Yeah. Second year cracking. Take a bow though, huh? Oh, very impressive. Just a, and I mean this in the, in the most flattering sense. I don't mean it in a derogatory sense. Just the perfect loser. The perfect loser. There you go. Like they knock off the defending Stanley cup champs in seven in the first round. They get into the second round. They push a team that could win it all to the brink, to the precipice, to the cusp in game seven, and and then bow out. And not not one thing to hang their head about in their second year of existence. You know, and and the nature of the series perfect too. No real animosity, Mike. No. Two professional teams doing what they do best. Yes. And just the the team that had a few more game breakers, the the talent portion of it, just enough to get onto the next round. The fastest set of forwards the Stars will play. Yes. But they lacked, I'll tell you what they lacked though, and it showed up, I believe, in this series as it as it moved through. They lack a true power forward or power forwards. Got lots of fast, frisky. Guys, but they they don't have any big bargy guys, and they and they missed that. They couldn't yeah. they couldn't penetrate the the stars enough in in the two games in Dallas. The last two games in Dallas struggled to get inside. Uh, the series was interesting until Game Seven. I, I think we, I think we saw what what had become in quotations uh, just a, a general comment about the position in the second round of this year's playoffs. We saw a lot of second round goaltending. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't it, it wasn't what you would suspect two supremely talented netminders, but they fell to the same thing that most other series fell to, where you weren't quite sure the guy was gonna finish the game that started and there were gonna be some some goals scored and the save percentages and the goals against average were gonna be inflated because of all that. But they were both grand in Game Seven. Oh, holy smokes! Grubauer was freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody at the arena. Yeah, I was gonna say the. It's interesting to watch Jake go through all this process because he's been around. So you think, oh yeah, it's no big deal. But that was his first second round, and I do think there is a mental hurdle and a physical hurdle. You got to get through it. I mean, they were talking last night about how these, however many days we have off here, three days, uh, that Jake needs it as much as anybody. More than you? Eh, well, you know, 
I am a warrior. Yeah, I I don't know, you know, second round, I yes, I guess, but it's more about maybe not having your best stuff, but but fi- we talked about this I I think as the series was going on and that's what I admire in this Stars team that they understand when they don't have their B game or their A game, they just go to the B game and they can succeed with that. And Jake I Jake's just such a serene individual he's an old soul in a 24 year old starting netminder body and because of of the i don't want to call it erratic but you know an off game three obviously and then it gets yanked not on him uh, but but he's not the savior in game six there and there is there's a lot of pressure on the guy at home and the more that game went on with grubawa Doing his thing at the other end, Philip Grubauer, wunderbar on Sagan and on Hints, and you know, you're like, man, oh man, are you going to blink once and lose Game Seven because of the guy at the other end? And Jake wouldn't blink. Yeah. There's a special quality in in him, young guy. Speaking of special qualities in young guys, how about the rookie showdown? Oh Maddie Beneers, Wyatt Johnston, Johnston won it. Wyatt won it. For me, and for most, I think, and I'm impressed with Beneers. Yeah, he he. You know what? I don't know what kind of offensive player he's going to turn into, but man, oh man, you can see that he's got all the markings of a terrific two way guy. He can yeah. skate. He he's pretty responsible. Like uh, he's a nice he's a nice player. He's going to win Rookie of the Year because they've already voted on it. Right. I think if they got a Mulligan, they would they would change that up right now because. Stuart Skinner, the goaltender for the Oilers, was a sieve against the Golden Knights. He could barely finish a game. He's a finalist. Beneers is a finalist. Owen Power is a finalist. They didn't even make the playoffs out in Buffalo. Eastern Media, they have more votes. And uh, now you got you got Wyatt Johnston doing what he did. The only, the only thing I, I wished for last night with Wyatt was that he was still 19. <laughs> I wanted I wanted that record you know to stand forever as I can't see another you see another 19-year-old scoring a a series clinching goal. Uh well, I mean, I guess it depends on if his play if his team makes the playoffs. Yeah, but they don't. <laughs> no, they're right. They don't. They get, if, if they're, they're the they're really worst good, team that picks them, Mike. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. As or they're an expansion up. team. Come on. What a great play. Two, two terrific plays. I mentioned it last night, I think again this morning, on the radio. The, th- those are two very Pete DeBoer fingerprint goals that they score at the most opportune time, where forwards are flying out of the zone, stretch the rink, create offense that way, and you know, perfect execution on them. Beautiful shot by Rope. As he puck jacks the big rig, and then Wyatt Johnston goes in and slides one off the trachea or Adam's apple of Grubawa on a sick little backhand shovel. I don't understand modern goaltending, Mike. I really don't. I'm not look. I'm not gonna slander the netminder on that one. I'd love to. I should. I have. I guess a little bit already. I want to celebrate the sagaciousness 
of Wyatt Johnston to do that and Dodonoff to set him up. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to your show this morning on the ticket and uh, it was a a really strong point of realization for me when you pointed out the, the fact that this team is able to score in transition. Mm. I mean, a hundred percent different than the last couple of years. And it's all on the coaching staff. They've created uh, a environment that allows you to cheat and still, you know, be good defensively. Yeah. I'd like to your point about Jamie saying like, yeah, I'm not sure oh, we, I, uh, yes. we need to cheat this much. Like I, it, I remember. It pays like, off. You, you remember like we, it was really early, wasn't it? When we were in Winnipeg, they got yep. smoked, but whatever. That didn't matter at the time. The, but I remember talking to him because he was off to such a great start. And I was like, you know, what is what is it about the system and this and that? And he told me that story. I love Jamie. but he, And he's, so, he's such an honest player, right? And yep. he was just like, I am uncomfortable. <laughs> I am really <laughs> uncomfortable leaving all my boys to their own devices as I, you know, basically what we used to call cherry pick. Yep. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to head out here and, but what it does, is it takes a defenseman with you. It opens up gaps where you can use your speed through the middle part of the rink or in, in the case of, of game seven, where you, you just, you, you have the defenses of the other team so off balance and so on their heels because of it. And it's so natural now, you know, you're, what 90 you're you know closing in on 100 games 100 games yeah yeah, into a season so it's part of their dna now and then to watch it come through in a must-win game like that had to be really fulfilling for all involved you know because in past they were and you can you can succeed the other way too where where you you basically are taking zones one at a time and and it's just a more careful way of of doing it, but if you're not really on, or you don't have the personnel to play that style bargy enough, then you end up in behind your own blue line a lot and relying on your netminder and shot blocking, and and it's just a real, uh, it, it's a real energy sapping way to to play the game. And this everybody wants to freewheel, right? Like, yeah. And well, yeah. I, I always wheel. use a football comparison. I think Lindy did it with his, he'd race the wingers down and, and, and try and stretch the field. Uh, it just, it, like you said, it creates openings in the, in the brains of the opposition uh, because you just don't know, you don't know mm. when you're going to, you know, you get your head is on a swivel the whole time. And, and I think the football comparison of when you can stretch the field like that, it opens up so many other options and short passing game or running game or, you know, Hockey stuff. Z-Y banana. There you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think they I think they probably steal from one another. Why wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah. I think it's a good way to stretch. What do they call it? Stretching the field? Yes. Stretch the ice. Stretch it. You can't really stretch it. It's 200 by 85, but whatever. So uh, you're saying it's, look, it's got walls. Look, the, the series itself was very tame following the wild. That's a bit of a play on words. I don't know if you caught that or not, but it's what I do. And I, I think it was pretty tame by playoff standards. The only real blows sustained were that accidental elbow. I think it was Wenberg to Mason Marchment's jaw, knocked him mm-hmm. out for a spell uh, from the lineup. 
and then that ricocheted puck off the cheek of Miro Haskinen that took him out of one game and they completely cratered while he was out. And then he had to wear a fishbowl with a little breathing apparatus at the bottom of it for the rest of the series. And it had zero effect on him, of course, because uh, he's so special. Sweet, sweet Miro. Uh, but that was about it, wasn't it? I mean, they, yeah. they barely even both got accidents. mad at one another. Yeah, no. exactly. They, they, they just there, there was no animosity in the series. Really, they just yeah. played hockey really breakneck fast. Like I mean, redline the RPMs hockey at one another, and and in the end, the stars were just uh, a bit better than them, uh, better individually at times, and and a better team. I think that that was the bottom line of it. They, when they had to really buckle down defensively, they, they just absolutely smothered them. They couldn't get anything going offensively. And if they did crack a little bit, Jake did what great goaltenders do. Yeah. Mop it up. It's so interesting. Just, Look, I yeah, was just go ahead. Say go ahead, Mike. I'll interrupt you for a second. Game six against Minnesota and then game seven here. I know game six against the Kraken was a, a little bit of a not good, but the, the team performance, team defense, just team everything in both those games. That's what is impresses me about this team. Uh, I mean, like you look at last night, there's some guys on this team who don't always play great. And boy, I thought they did last night. Mason Marchman, I thought, had a great game. Dadanoff is incredible. Uh, Essa came back and had a really good game. Uh, it's just, and then I look back at game six against Minnesota, same thing. They Here you have this whole series going and, and one team's doing this and one team's doing that. And all of a sudden the Stars just, you know, I don't want to say take the energy out of the other team, but they definitely just, Crank, crank, I mean, crank down on them and don't let them do what they want to do. And that's a great quality to have. I, I, it's just, I'm very impressed by the fact that this team can dial up team defense when, you know, when they're supposedly a team that is stretching the ice. Uh, so they, they have a little bit of everything, I guess, is a point I'm making. Yeah. I, and I'm not comparing them to those, you know, semi dynasty Chicago Blackhawk teams, but the the thing that always impressed me about those hawks was that they were they were fast and creative offensively but they were lightning quick defensively like they just closed on people their yeah. their tracking game was 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 just incredible and when you watch this team and it's one of the other changes that the coaching staff has implemented you know rather than than I don't want to call it passive but it's a little more conservative rather than just you know clog the the home plate area, the slot area and absorb lots of block shots and try to just keep the, the opposition to the, to the perimeter, they pressure the perimeter and they put so much pressure on the puck. I mean, they get caught from time to time. You're gonna, yeah. you know, it's going to break down where you have, you look down there and you're like, well, why the hell did they have all five guys in the corner? Well, cause that's what they do. Now, did they do it as, as well as they usually do. No, that's why the guy was wide open in front of the net and, and scored. Uh, but when they, when they get on the charge and they look like such an extremely well-coached team and they, they play as a as sort of a five man swarm. And if teams can't get through that and, you know, get it off the boards to the middle, that then the swarm just owns them. 
And yeah. and that's that's what you saw in those two games you were speaking of, uh, game five at at home and then game seven at home, where man, they they were just had their teeth on them and they weren't going to get anything done. So yeah, I mean both directions, excellence. That's why they're going to play in the Western Conference final. I will mention this, Mike. I don't know how you were feeling. I couldn't tell between naps. Uh, but I went into Game Seven with the positivity of a Trader Joe's cashier. I felt like they were going to win Game Seven and move on. And I'm not—that's not a bunch of hooey. I know poppycock. I just—I was like, yeah, you know what? Coming off six, they didn't play well. They—they they didn't really play well for two games in a row. I've uh, never seen this group do that three games in a row. If they do it three games in a row, in a row, they should go home for the summer. And they didn't, they came out, played great. And by the way, those Trader Joe's cashiers talk about a Panglossian lot, right? You ever find one that's, that's a little cloudy when you go through there? What do you think uh, that I'm is? Tom, I'm a Tom Thumb guy there. Oh, are you? <laughs> you got to go to Trader Joe's, Trader man. Joe's a lot. Oh, you got to go there. They're friendly. There's such good people. I don't know whether it's like the, the organic nature of things in there or the flower shop. They think the best of everything. Uh, they have, a, they have a line at uh, the South Lake Trader Joe's. You have to wait in line to go Shut grocery up. shopping. Dead serious. Really? Yeah. You know what? They would be positive and happy about that as well. Oh, yeah. Because look at the And the people in line here. are probably very positive they're, as well. Hey, they're getting to go to Trader Joe's. Yes. And that's how I felt. That was the beginning. Wasn't that the beginning of, of Two Buck Chuck, Trader Joe's out in California? People were going nuts over the $2 red wine thing. <laughs> May have been. Uh, I think we're getting off topic. A little bit. I Can can I uh, interject my feelings? I have no idea what this team is going to do from game to game. People have been asking me, and I'm going like, I don't know. Like, that's how up and down this playoff has been. I kind of thought they were going to be really good in game six in Seattle. And then you're like, ooh, boy, you messed that one up. And I, I really have yeah. no idea what they're going to do from game to game. But isn't that kind I trust of this your, year's? I trust, isn't that this yeah. year's playoffs though? Yeah, right? like it, it's everywhere. Yep. Yeah, we were we were trying to figure that out. I was walking out with with Jim Nill, the star general manager, after Game Six, and the two of us were just kind of like, "Man, have you ever seen it like this? <laughs> where <laughs> no. where teams just absolutely lose it from game to game and within games and." Yep. I don't know whether it's it's the the style of play now. If, if it's that offense and that side of things have gotten ahead of defense. If the goaltending has just been that putrid at times, you know, are they are they young? But then you look and you're like, well, they're not a. It's not a young team. Their average age is like 28. That's not young. No. And and yet everybody like. Even the other series that was going on in the West between Vegas and Edmonton, and you're like, try to figure out that one from game to game. Yeah. And it was the same thing. Like for Edmonton, is the, is the starting goaltender going to finish? Is he going to be great tonight? Who are, you know, are they going to get power plays? Will they earn power plays? It, you know, it's just crazy. Same stuff out in the East makes it fun. Makes it tough to bet on. I bet. It does. And, and I think, you know, it's funny because I was watching that Edmonton uh, Vegas game and it is, you're watching it going like, Oh, Edmonton might have this yeah. one. And else, and boom, it just turns on a dime and you're like, Oh, well, didn't expect that one. So it does make it fun. They get up home there and you're like, the place is orange and they're all fired up. And 
here you go, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, and they built this thing, and and f- five seconds in, they're down one nothing. Yeah. And 11 seconds later, it's 1-1 again. Like, it was just like, wow, <laughs> what is going on? Uh, game seven, game seven win at home. We haven't seen one of these in quite some time, Mike. Indeed. You and I were both youngsters, I think, when they last won a home game in game seven. It was a different building, very different time. What is it? Over Tim Kalashaw was, was writing it, like word 24 years. Yeah, yeah, Tim Kalashaw was a, a cub reporter, I believe, back then. <laughs> Mike Heike was a paid intern. Is that yep. what was going on? I was running quotes for the <laughs> for the team. That's it. Yeah. There there was no Twitter. I know that. Uh, you know, but, but they, they win it last night and home ice matters, right? You you need, I know they got stung in 2016 by a very good St. Louis team and just a, an awful forgettable beginning of the game that did them in, in that one at American airline center. But, you know, people, I talked about it that like Pete deflecting, you know, game because he's perfect. He's, I mean, how do you argue with seven and zero in game sevens now? And maybe there isn't that much coaching that goes on in in the actual game itself. You know, uh, uh, the finality of the series, but home ice matters, and most of those game sevens for Pete have been at home. Yep, and that means that the regular season really matters. And if you earn home ice in the postseason, then it means you've had a very good regular season. And usually your head coach has a lot to do with that. So he can deflect all he wants, but a lot of it circles back to the guy behind the bench. And I would think the ability, like I I said this last night, the it's the normality facing finality that I think gets a lot of teams through the more normal you can make it seem for, all the guys that are going to be all charged up and some guys nervous and others just, you know, bewildered. They've never been in this circumstance, whatever it is. And the more normal a coach and his staff can make things, I think the better it is. And that's certainly this group. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I got emails and text messages from friends about, we need to change this up and change that up. And, you know, uh, I asked Pete about that and, and he says, yeah, they, his friends and family know better than to, to tell him how to coach the team. But it was, I mean, like he, they didn't do that much. I mean, the, the Glenn Denning thing was interesting just because uh, game six was the pretty much the only game they didn't dominate the faceoff circle. So getting Glenn Denning back in, I think was, you know, it was just a normal move. And then the hock and paw, you know, injury or whatever, uh, that was something they just, they tweaked, but had Hawk and Pop played, I think he would have been fine. I don't, you just get the feeling that, like I said, what Essa did, the coaches, the players, they, they support each other. And yeah. like you said, the normalcy is like, okay, Hey, you had a bad game. Let's go back. We'll have a good game. So. Yeah. They pick each other up. I, I, they've done that all year. It, maybe it is that slogan on the wall they have in the room. <laughs> Take your turn. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know me, I believe in those mind vitamins. And yes, you do. Slap those things up in there. Don't don't be too corny with them and and don't be too uh involved with them. You don't you don't want guys to be reading paragraphs. 
you just need something, <laughs> you need something that's going to resonate with them. And, and it can be the drum beat that goes on and parroted over and over again. And, and they've lived up to it. So, you know, that, that comes from, from Pete DeBoer and, and his, his past and, and experience. And he gets to trot a couple of fins out there repeatedly, which helps. That helps. You just send Miro out for half the game. It's going to make life a lot better for you as a coach, I would think. And he was magnificent again in in this series. And Rope Hints right now has to be the leading candidate for MVP of the playoffs. Yes. Uh, because he's a game breaker and he, he, he gets all the accolades for – for the offense and cause it is, I mean, it's galloping sexy offense that, that he provides, but it, it's all the other things. And he's shown so much edge to his overall game this spring. And he was available for, that's another thing. He was available for a game seven. Yes. You know, like, no, like the, I mean, he wasn't available last year. That might've turned out different. He might've been a yep. difference maker. Cause he was, he was, Again, one game six just about by himself, and he was injured in the bubble against Tampa uh, when they were getting late in that series. And he would barely—I can't even remember—did he? He played right in 2019 in St. Louis, but he was on yeah, one I leg. Can't remember. I, I yeah, remember watching him in right. warm up, and he was—he was a mess. I think he blocked a shot and had a broken foot. Like they—they they had a healthy, you know, full throttle. Rope hints, and he could have scored two or three in the game and scored a biggie to get him on top uh, midway through. So it's awfully nice having that. And and just you know, the, the series started with that four goal effort out of out of Joe Pavelski, <laughs> you know, and they lost. Right. You know that doesn't happen very often, uh, and teams don't win that often when you lose game one of a best of seven series. I think it's like thirty percent of teams go on to actually win the series and the stars have gone a hundred percent on that in the first two rounds. I don't want to see him dropping behind against the Vegas golden Knights. I'd like, I'd like that to work out differently. I, I don't. Well, and Pete, Pete made a really good point that sometimes starting on the road is the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see, cause this has been a good road team yeah. and if they can go in there and, and, you know, kind of set the pace and yeah, I know you only got three at home, but uh, if you win a, one of those on the road, I, I really do think it can help at least this team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else on, on the Kraken series before we move on to a little pre of, of Vegas? They're halfway home with not much from MVP Jason Robertson. That, that, that is would a huge worry, thing. That would worry me if I were the other three teams still alive. Yes. I think that that would worry me more than it would it would worry anybody involved with the Dallas stars. You agree? Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I think, you know, and then the other thing they think, or at least they tell us he's getting chances. He, you know, they really believe that he's doing a lot of good things and that when it breaks, it's going to break pretty good. So, I mean, we'll see, but he, it's, he's so hard on himself and so hard working with practice and everything and the way he just scans every single shift on the bench you just feel like he's doing everything he can and that you know if the breaks go his way then it really could you know open wide open for him yeah 
And it'd be tough to say to a guy that's had a season and a start to his career like him, hey, look, you need to change a lot of things here. Right. Now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you you may believe that that it's uh, paralysis by analysis that's going on with him right now yep. from too, too much, much of thinking. that and yeah. trying to dig himself out of a little funk that he that he's been in. That, that coupled with he's getting extra attention. He's not the only elite right. scorer that, you know, isn't scoring at the same rate that he was in the regular season. The playoffs are littered with that. And, and yet I watched him last night, man, he made, he, he, right now he's, he, he's, he's not dazzling offensively, but he's crafty. He, he makes little crafty things that, that would go, I think primarily unnoticed. And it's just little plays here and there. He's he's not a liability. He's not a detriment to them defensively. He he's just not scoring at that that extreme rate that he was in the regular season. He hasn't had one of those games. Yeah. Man. In game six, I thought he did a really good job of rotating back to allow the defenseman to join the play. Yeah, that's what uh, I mean. You, yes. Yeah, I mean you just, it's interesting because you just see him at the point, you're going, what's What's yeah. Robertson doing up at the point all the time? And he was helping the defenseman get involved in the play. Yeah. And I thought that was very unselfish of him. Yeah. The, uh, there, there's lots to like the, the impact of the, of the additions has been uh, tremendous. Dodonoff, Domi, and I would work Thomas Harley into that mix. That as was well. going to be my, that was going to be my extras. Just, I, he just seems, he only played six games during the regular season. Like you forget, oh yeah, well, why are we calling up Harley? Is he going to be ready for the playoffs? He's this young guy. He's not going to, he's 21 years old. And, you know, he's helping in an area that really needed some help. Yeah. And I think that's been key. Maybe that's the, the nouveau, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs in, in history have always had these young goaltenders that come out of nowhere mm -hmm. and stand on their noggins, uh, you know, th through the years from Ken Dryden to Steve Penny to Patrick Waugh to, you know, name them. Yeah. A lot of Montreal Canadians, by the way. Yeah. The uh, kid in Carolina, when he got just tossed in and what, they were down to nothing in the first round. Right. Right. Yeah. Cam Ward. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, Jake last year and maybe the, maybe the change is, is you toss these young defensemen or young players in general and and they can take off in a in a league in a in a Stanley Cup playoff that's kind of diff, different than the you know grinding clutch grab uh you know physical menacing uh tournament that it once was to maybe a, a more offense skating slanted uh tournament that we see at least we're seeing this year right now yeah and the stars are moving on to the group of four. And after the Avenge win over the Wild and the Fisherman's Friend Lozenge win over Seattle, it's the Revenge series for DeBoer and Spot against Vegas in the Western Conference Final. I expect this one to be much more uncivil than the previous series. Yes. You? Yeah, and it'll be fun. I mean, that's such a great building. Uh, and I think uh, the the fact that these are two um, fan bases who, you know, who may be disrespected by uh, the northern uh, fan bases, uh, you know, they'll get their hackles up pretty quick. Uh, I think the Stars fans very much 
uh, like to go at the opposing fan base. And I think uh, Vegas in their fourth Western Conference final, <laughs> uh, their fans are pretty excited about uh, Mike, that's their crazy. belief. That's, it is crazy. Like It's crazy. It's not supposed to happen. No. Not, not, it's not that they're doing it with the same collection of players and the same no. coaching staff. And you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like there's some kind of an expansion immediate add water dynasty. They, they, they keep changing. They don't fall in love with anything or anyone. No. no. And there they are again. Yep. It's Unreal. so funny is that uh, when the stars came down from Minnesota and then uh, Colorado came from Quebec, I remember the fans up there just griping that they had waited around for 25 years or whatever to get a winning team. And then here the stars go win the Stanley Cup. Colorado wins the Stanley Cup. These fans, have, they have put in no hardship. No. It's just been party time for them. Yeah. It's and they joke. live in Vegas. It is it's unfair. I feel for like the Columbus Blue Jackets who've oh. never been to a conference final. No. They've never been to a conference final. Them and the Seattle Kraken now. <laughs> the only two teams that have not been in a, in a conference final. And yeah. these guys in Vegas have been there four times in six years. Yep. Whew. Wow. The, I, I, the, the league should charge like $2.5 billion for expansion teams. <laughs> Not $650 so million. Oh, come on. It's like, oh, would you, yes, what, uh, would you like to come in? Yeah, it's going to be $2.56 billion to get in. Why? And they're like, well, you've got a chance to win a cup immediately, apparently. To steal two point five. Yeah, it is. You know what the football teams are going for? I know. Oh my god! So the traveling media. First, before we get fully into this, I do want to mention Tyler Sagan. Yes. That you know, Tyler has morphed into a, a different role, different player. He's the only Stanley Cup winner the Stars have on their roster. He was a young pup when he did that with Boston. And watching him last night was exactly what he had talked about a little bit, which is, and, and it's, it's embracing, it's acceptance. You know, there, there's another wave. There are younger guys that have, that have taken the bit. And you're, you're an integral part of this thing, but not we're either going to win or lose on you in, anymore, which is a ton of, it's, yeah. You know, it's too much pressure on on just an individual or two. Uh you know, the the secret to superstardom is always the rest of the team and now now you look at him coming out of essentially the three hole if you want to call it that. You know, that you and he said it himself like you you're a pretty deep team when Max Domi, Tyler Sagan and Mason Marchment are your third line. Right. You know, and and it's like a, a a wave of attack that they can throw at the opposition. And I just thought he was, I thought he was tremendous last night. Like he was, that's as good a playoff game as I think I've ever seen Tyler Sagan play. Yeah, and he's had some trouble with injuries and everything getting into the Same playoffs. Same thing, and yes. Yeah, knock on wood, he looks really, like he looked fast last night. Yes. And I haven't said that for a while about Tyler Sagan. Fast and confident and... And physical, he's 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 taken to that a little bit more. I I just thought, oh he, yeah, I thought he was great. I wished he'd have scored on that that uh, you know three quarter ice 
little bounce pass from or bunt pass from Marchment, and then it dangles yeah. his way through the slot, and then just got absolutely purloined by the left hand of Grubawa. <laughs> uh, but it didn't deter him. He just kept working like a dog. I, I really enjoyed his game last night. Really did. So yeah. he, hopefully he's he funny continues he, that on. He has always said he's thrown this out that things happen for a reason. And he I think he truly believes that. I don't think he's just, you know, chatting to the media about that. But the fact that he's gone through the Achilles and the knee yeah. and the hip and the like it's turned him into a different kind of player. And it's he is exactly the player this team needs right now because they don't they already have Rope and Wyatt's doing what Wyatt's doing. So they need somebody like Tyler and all that all this crap may have put him in the right place at the right time and that would be great yeah it, it the great thing about playoff time is everybody stops talking about what a guy makes it's just yes. what have you done and what are you doing and what can you do and he's doing lots same thing with with uh ryan Suter. first time he's first time and what 1300 plus regular season games and yep whatever playoff games that he's play going to play in a in a conference final and he's been a a pretty stable force back there for that that defense core that is holding together so good on them but the, this is a repeat of the 2020 I have a tough time even saying it but it is it's reality <laughs> it's a it's a redo of the 2020 Western Conference final oh the heated rivalry from back then and and you just sit there and you're like, okay, all right. The guy that was on the one bench is now on the other bench. And the goaltender that outdueled the other goaltender, one of them hasn't played this year. The other one was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks after a year in the minors. And uh, there's lots of other different uh, individuals throughout. And yet, here we go again. Yeah. And there are lots of guys that played in that. In front yep. of nobody in Edmonton. Yep. And I believe Dennis Gurionov scored a rather large uh, goal in that series. He did. And he's a Montreal Canadian now. It's just the nature of the NHL. But what was really lost in 2020, traveling media were robbed of this Ugh. dream matchup of cities and the two buildings that absolutely rock. I have not been in, in that barn in Vegas in a playoff scenario, it is berserk in the regular season. Right. And we look, we fawned over what American Airlines Center is like with Stars fans and, and the Metroplex when they start getting giddy in the spring. Uh, there, there's not a better place. So looking forward to all of all of that. And, uh, and of course, the whole thing is going to be about DeBoer. He, like Pete will... I'm sure try to downplay. How do you downplay it? He already has, but it's funny. How do, just thinking. How do you do it? Like he, he gets fired by Vegas. They, they lost what? 500 man games to injury. Correct. And essentially the management there was saying, we are not saying it's your fault, Pete. We are merely blaming you. <laughs> and uh, uh, two of those four trips to the Western conference final, they were his. You know, before he got fired. Just unreal. It really so, is. And so I think that, he does. Have a chip that's going to be. You know, he'll, he'll say the right things. But when he first came here, I believe he mentioned a couple of times that he 
felt he probably didn't deserve to be fired. <laughs> yeah, well, do you think? <laughs> like, it was surprising. But then again, oh, yeah. but then again, like back to what we started talking about. This is their fourth conference final in six years. Yeah. So you you can say that, well, that move wasn't right, and w- why would they do that? And I, I can't believe they either fired him or moved on from him or signed him or whatever it was. Yep. They're in the conference final again. Yeah. And the coach they got is a pretty darn good coach. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yes, he is. Bruce Cassidy uh, can coach. Moved on from those Boston Bruins where Monty took over and and had the best regular season in in NHL history and then got popped immediately in the playoffs. Welcome to hockey. <laughs> Stars were 3 and 0 against the Golden Knights in the regular season, two of those in overtime, and the Knights never really had their full team, did they? No, did, that's the key to it. Did all. Mark Stone play one of the three games? I, I don't think their so. Their captain? Yeah, and I mean I he really, I mean it's just what he's done and, and how they deal with the cap and everything like that. But he hasn't played a ton of regular season hockey, it doesn't seem like. No, him and Kucherov. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's quite a player, though. Uh, he's got yes. uh, similar hands to that Joe Pavelski. And you know what? I was watching Joe the, the other morning. And the thing that struck me, because he goes out there, he has a shooting tree, spends 10, 15, 20 minutes before the team comes out for morning skate team will come on at 10 30 joel go out at 10 with his bucket go through all that i can't the one thing i can't believe and i've seen it from time to time and ty delandria has been one that's been out there a lot i think freddie olafson was out there the other morning with him but if i was a young player man you got the perfect model i know they all have to prepare themselves in their own way and that but it seems to seems to have worked out swimmingly for joe yeah. Uh, putting the work in, uh, you know, but the, the thing that struck me watching him go through that, cause you always watch these young guys out. Dennis Gurionov used to drive me nuts because <laughs> he would come out and he, he seemed to be more enamored with the sound of the puck off the glass than he did anything else. He would just wire pucks high and wide and slam and splat. And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching Joe, Joe never misses the net. It's, it's not always, you know, a rifle hard shot. It's just hit the net. It's not going to go in if it doesn't hit the net. I'll guarantee you that. So he'll go through all the little progressions, you know, backhands, little half slappers, shots from the top of the circle. You know, he's trying to pick corners and that, but he's not trying to go piping in on everything. He's just right. placing it and he's going through it. And then he goes through all the, the deflections. And he never misses the net. I think there's a fabulous lesson in there for a lot of young players. Yeah. It's the old hockey saying perfect practice uh, makes perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So you can go out there and mess around or you can go out there and have a plan. And Joe definitely has a plan. So these Golden Knights don't care who scores first, which (laughs) could be an issue. They're the only team in the playoffs with a winning record when allowing the first goal. And thus far, the first goal has been everything in the games that the Stars have played. So they've got that to deal with with these guys. Uh, and how about this one? This, this, is, this is where I think the Vegas Golden Knights have gone uh, amiss or awry. Which one is more appropriate, Mike? 
Uh, I have to hear your point. Uh, well, they are the only team remaining with zero fins on their roster. Oh, well, then they definitely have gone awry there. Pascapaz. That's what they are. <laughs> is that awry? They've gone awry? Oh, yeah, sure. They've, yeah, they've gone Or is it misguided? Awry. Are they misguided? Eh, it could be. It could be a little of everything. Like I thought you were going to go to their goaltending issue. But uh, the fins is probably even bigger. Well, the goaltending part of things apparently isn't even an issue. Just whichever <laughs> one's healthy plays. <laughs> and, and then that guy plays out of his mind. Yes. That's a nice little trick to have. That, that's, that's Chris Angel-like, whatever they're doing <laughs> there in the pipes. But there zero you go fins. in Vegas, too. Zero fins. Yep. How about that? Now, you look at the other teams, Carolina. Oh, thick with fins, thicker than the Dallas Stars with fins. If you can even believe it, like they're they have so many fins, they look like a Chernobyl fish. That many fins. How's that for a little? <laughs> That's mind good theater. radiation humor. There. Yeah, it is. Uh, but they they have lots. Uh, the team they'll be playing has some fairly significant fins. Kind of good ones. In uh, Florida, including their captain, Alexander Bakoff. Uh, so, yeah, good luck. Good luck, Vegas, trying to win it all without fins. You need to have a thickness of players from Finland in order, in order to get this thing done. That, that, is, a, that is an absolute fact, Oid, from the Razor Boy. It's a good fact. That. Yep. Uh, so I say stars in six or seven. Wow. Then Didn't after, they beat him in five last time? Yeah, well, I know. I, I'm saying <laughs> I'm stars in six or seven. I'm just and then What was it? Was it five? I think it was five. Okay. I don't Poor even remember. Pete went down quick and hard on that one. Well, they barely got through Vancouver because Demko almost beat him by himself. Right. And then uh, Hudobin was just... Better than the the big guy in net at yep. their end. He was just better. That was the that was the best series that Anton Hadobin played during that bubble run. He was a difference maker. Like he was everything Doby in that one. There right. were moments in all the other series where you're like, eh, <laughs> they are outscoring some of the issues they got going on back at the other end. But he was a did. bit of a high risk goalie. So. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Uh, but they they win this one in six or seven, so okay. that that that's the revenge victory, and then they move on to mentor pupil frenemy final between Paul Maurice and his surprising Swamp Cats of Florida, okay, against Pete DeBoer's Stars, and a combined thirty one hundred games coached without a cup for those two. They are one and three on the active coaches list in most games coached without, without a Stanley Cup. cup. The, mm. the only guy in between the two of them is Lindy Ruff. There you go. So that's how that's I tough. see this thing. That's how I see it. Uh, if they do advance, and, and I do think there's an opportunity to do it in six games, I, I think it would be hard to go into Vegas and win in seven, but who knows? Uh, then I would like to see them play the other group of Finns, 
because uh, that'll just set the table for all of us just to go over to Finland and, and you know, play a huge uh, season series over there in, in a couple of years. And it'll be, oh, look, it's a repeat of the 2023 Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, yes. Man, can you imagine we could do a tour over there? We can go I know, start in just- Helsinki, go up to uh, Ilves, Tampara, maybe go to Espo. Uh, into Yavaskala, up to Olu. Mm-hmm. You still have a fan club in Olu, don't you? I should. There should be a statue outside <laughs> Yahali for me. Uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that has to go on before that. Yes, I'll, I'll only halfway this. through. I heard that from somebody yeah, at the beginning that was of this how podcast I today. For now, then, Mike. Okay. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except. The wins the stars bring back to Dallas along with home ice advantage. Woo! Should be a sensational conference final, Michael. I'm looking forward to it. And maybe, just maybe, a return of the Emporium. That, fi- that yeah. is a tease. I'm thinking about resurrecting it, but this time on my Instagram account... You know why? Because I'm all about the Soch and I can post it myself. One man, multi-platform, media agglomerate. That's what I am. That's, that's what you get with the Razor Boy. You get that and possibly a return to the Emporium. Possibly. Possibly. Back so in the bus? Tom, huh? Back of the bus with the management on there and everything? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, won't be, won't be done that way. Won't be done that way. It'd be, it would be brief. Yes. But it'd be so good. And it will really drive traffic to my Instagram account. I could be an influencer that way, Mike. I want to buy some stock in that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, a conference final influencer. So Tom... Something to look forward to, but you can take your earbuds out now because I believe Michael Heike and the boy are shutting the pod man rush down for another series. Got anything else, Mike? No. Oh, great. I'm good. You did, you did a wonderful job today, Daryl. It's surprising, really. It is a little bit shocking. <laughs> you know what else it is? No. It's time to smelt some golden night. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Our ice didn't exactly form naturally. It's been forged by blood sweat, and the Lone Star pride that runs through our veins. Our ice is Texas born, and we're here to show everyone that Dallas Stars hockey is Texas hockey. Rugged, rough, and proud. Join the rush and be part of the excitement all season long. Individual game tickets on sale now at DallasStars.com.